foxhole. So we appreciate you. Um, we are gonna move on. I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna. You guys may have been hearing about the Brunson case. Well, we um, received a um, an email from uh, Debbie, who was on this show a couple of weeks ago. Um, about three weeks ago, before a conservative mainstream media started picking up on this Brunson case that was out there in Oregon, um, was it Oregon or Washington? I think it was Washington. But uh, no, in Oregon, they, the, these brothers are pushing to, uh, uh, and they're going to have a case. They're going to be in in the highest court of the land on uh, January the sixth. How about that? They have a court case appearance in the January 6th on uh, not uh, just just uh, uh, going against the election process, the uh, e elections or the votes um, and all of that, but to actually go against uh, Congress and uh, the president and uh, several, uh, about 200 and something people that they brought a lawsuit against that actually was picked up by the highest court in the land. And they will be bringing evidence and information to show that they were derelict in their duties, uh, that they refused to up, uphold the Constitution, uphold uh, their uh, position as lawmakers and uh, do what they sworn they were sworn to do. And uh, anyway, they sent out uh, a text uh, I received to register uh, for a, um, a live stream where they're going to be giving updates. It actually uh, should have already started at around 930. Uh, but, you know, I am, you know, I was into the show. And so we're going to, uh, like, pick up in this along the way and i want you guys to uh to view this and uh you know we'll get updates and we'll see how this uh you know what they're coming up with actually i, I think i'm gonna start start it i think i can yeah i'm gonna start it over and uh let you guys uh catch up we're all gonna catch up because uh i haven't um Brent, seen so it but so hold on uh-oh let me let me pause that um and this is cutting-edge information. Nobody else has this. Nobody else is going to be talking about this. Um, mainstream media isn't. But here on the Apostolic Conservative Show, you guys are getting cutting-edge information right from uh, Lloyd Bronson and the team uh, from Defend Florida that has been working with him. All right, let me get this uh, set up in a manner. That you guys are able to see it. And I'll get the link in the uh, description of the show. Uh, that way you guys can view it at, at your own leisure time. Uh, but here you go. Let me see. Here we go. All right, I guess I do want to get this out of the way. Momentous. Uh, this whole conversation started at Debbie's house just uh, 
just a few days ago. So, Brett, how, how are you today, Brett? Hey, Raj, I'm doing great. And ready to go. What a great team you put together, Raj, Debbie, and Clyde. And uh, we're here. And let's go. And we're stretched for the Brunson Charge. And I, I will officially welcome everybody, Raj, that what will be happening here over the next four minutes is we have so many people, thousands of people that are joining this video meeting. And they all went out to BrunsonCharge.com and they signed up and they'll be joining us here shortly. We're going to take minutes just to let everybody settle in. I will open in prayer. And then I will pass the baton to one of the most special leaders in America. And we, she will take it from there. Awesome. Awesome, Brett. Thank you so much for that. And we'll be back here in just a few minutes, folks. Just stand by. We'll put some music here. We'll put a couple pictures for everyone to look at. Then we'll be back in four minutes. Okay, so obviously they didn't start. I got my ankles taped. I got my football helmet on my side. We're ready to rock and roll. Everybody, we want to officially welcome you to the Brunson Charge video meeting with thousands upon thousands of leaders all across the world that are joining this video call, Raj. And it's an honor for me to be here today. Many of you know that Ohio Brett, with a sports background, was sent out to all 50 states in 12 months this last year. We recently completed that assignment. God gave me the game plan to encourage the team, recruit for the team, and get funds out to the team. And I represent that beautiful team, Team Jesus Christ. And my role today is to officially welcome everybody, and then I will lead us in prayer. But we do have a vision. 
these leaders that have gotten together and helped this Brunson charge with the letter campaign. We're going to challenge you tonight. You've got some all-star leaders and coaches that are going to share time tonight. And I'm so excited to be one player on that team. And let's go ahead and let's go. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you like children at your feet, Lord. And, and we know that this republic, this beautiful United States of America, this republic, we are open to everybody, but we were founded on the God of the Bible. And we just say thank you to our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let everything on this call tonight be done in an orderly and efficient manner. The team is coming together at the local level, every single county and every single state. And we just want to give all praise and glory to you. And I pray in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let it be done. And it is my great honor to pass the baton to one of America's great leaders, the praying manis, Debbie, take it away. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brett. And welcome, everybody, to um, this kickoff event. It's awesome. Right now, the numbers that I have, are, we're about 3,800 people right now live on this um, stream. So thank you so much for taking out um, of your busy nights, of your busy time, of your family time to be with us. But, you know, this is a historic event. started this case many, many months ago in 2021. It came to my attention in November and I wrote something about it. And then just a mere weeks ago, around December 1st or 2nd, I get this text from um, my favorite mystery man, Juan Osaman. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be in Palm Beach. I've got Loy with me. Want to have some fun? And so that's how this started. Um, we, we did what America ought to be doing. We all got together. Um, everybody came to my house. Uh, we had, you know, um, leaders or influencers like Ohio Brett, Mel Kay was here, um, the, the Thayers, Matt and Joy. And we had, uh, you know, people that had also been part of um, political candidates. We had Tim Canova, Clyde Cleveland, whom you're going to meet a little bit later on. He was um, a candidate for governor of Iowa. And then we had, um, you know, founders of grassroots organizations like Raj Dorsami, founder of Defend Florida, Sue Trombino um, of Women Impacting the Nation, Maria Zak of Nations in Action, and then a coalition of grassroots activists, uh, you know, people that were in the pastoral areas, and we all came together. I think it was about 35 or 40 of us, and we talked about this case, and we said, well, what can we do to advance it? Because this case is about... Um, about our rights as citizens and about the fact that we have elected leaders to do a job. So with that being said, um, we started a campaign and right now I'm really, really happy to report that we're about, I think, 50,000 letters, maybe a little bit more um, in a couple of weeks. And that is a phenomenal start. But what we're going to do is we want to uh, make it impossible for the rest of America to ignore this case. And that's why you're all here, because we are going to kick off the Brunson charge. That being said, um, I just want to welcome everyone again. I want to encourage you and let you know that you are here attending this meeting, or if you're going to see it a day or two later, you're here for a reason. And that is because you are part of this historic moment. Um, I also want to welcome the many 
Chinese American patriots that have joined this cause. Um, in particular, I want a, a shout out to, uh, she goes by the American name Rebecca, but um, her name is Wen Hung, oh, Wen Hua. And um, they have been so supportive of the January 6th prisoners. They have been out there um, joining in prayer and in um, singing the national anthem and collecting uh, clothing, money, funds, etc. Since um, probably since November, I might be wrong on the dates. But you know, these are people that are really caring about this country. You know why? Because they know what's coming down the pike. They know what if we don't do what we have to do now, what it's going to turn into. So I just want to give a shout out to the Chinese American that are here. Um, I'm Chinese from ancestry, but I also grew up in a country that we are going to become if we don't if we don't turn this tide, and that's Venezuela. I grew up in Venezuela. I know how the story ends. So that's why I'm very passionate about this cause. So with that, I am going to um, just uh, let you know that we have a coalition of leaders here that are on this call. And right now, we um, it is just my pleasure to turn it over to uh, someone that is sometimes in the front and sometimes behind the scenes, but he is so involved and he is um, an inspiration to me personally. So Juan, um, welcome to this. Thank you for <laughs> including me in this effort. And um, here we are, take it away. Hey folks, uh, really appreciate that everybody showed up. You know, we uh, discussed this uh, thing that we wanted to do tonight over the last uh, week or so, uh, even over the last day or two, uh, I and Loy and Gaynor uh, met, uh, spent quite a bit of time even last night again going through this. And, and what our thoughts were, uh, many of you heard the presentation I did uh, a week or so back uh, talking about trumpets and the relevance of trumpets uh, from a scriptural standpoint uh, uh, as a marker in uh, events uh, that happened uh, uh, throughout scripture and will be happening in the future if you go by revelations where each of the uh, dramas in the revelation period is precluded by a trumpet sound um, if you look at uh, israel its first major action coming into the promised land was this march around jericho where giants lived and it was a great city with huge walls and the people inside uh, were safe and secure and uh, the uh, nation of Israel came there to take back uh, the land that had been promised to them by God to uh, Abraham and his ancestors and so they marched around that wall uh, uh, over a period of days and on the final day they pulled out trumpets and blew a trumpet and the wall didn't just fall over and collapse uh, the nation of Israel started by the wall literally just receding down into the ground. Um, the uh, One of the great battles in the Bible was Gideon's uh, fight against an enemy that was uh, encamped against the land, and it was a very powerful army. And uh, Gideon was told by God that he wanted to do something amazing, and he didn't want to use all the warriors that had shown up. So Gideon told uh, uh, 
you know, under the direction of uh, God by his spirit, told all of those that were afraid that were, you know, had families back home, crops to bring in, whatever, that they were free to go and there would be no uh, shame for them to uh, leave and uh, leave the fight and go home. Then he told, uh, you know, that wasn't enough as far as God was concerned. So he uh, had everybody down at the brook and they were all drinking. And as they were drinking, God directed them that uh, any of those that put their face down to the water to drink, that they were free to go home. He only wanted the warriors that were uh, drinking, cupping their hands, bringing it up to their face because they weren't taking their eyes off the edge of the horizon, the tree line. Um, in military terms, we call it the thousand yards stare. Uh, you're, you're never dropping your guard because you know that uh, the enemy's out there at the edge somewhere. So those people that stayed alert, even when they were having a, a drink of water, they were the ones that were chosen by God. That was the 300. And then what, what happened next, as those men, were sent home you can imagine in military terms you know both sides always have their spies watching you know there's their um people that have snuck into the tree line that are out in the brush that are watching the movement so they can report back to uh headquarters what's going on they're moving this way they're preparing that it looks like the attack's coming any minute well they see all these people heading back home with all their stuff and you can imagine that the uh, centuries the spies we're reporting back to headquarters at the enemy's camp. They're leaving. War's over. They're not going to fight us. We can go take them anytime we want to. The threat's gone. <clears throat> and so with the threat leaving, that enemy camp was head down and feeding. They were, you know, probably had a little bit of a party. Uh, we're going to go take these guys. The fight's over. They're not going to be able to do anything to stop us. And uh, uh, But then what Gideon, the commander, did, he didn't send all those troops in there with just a sword and ammunition, whatever they were going to do, slingshots. He sent them in right up to next to the enemy's camp with horns. And you can imagine even the sentries were probably relaxed because they saw the whole army leaving, all of the Israelites leaving, and they figured it's all over. War's done. Uh, we're going to be able to take them at at will we're gonna you know go get them as soon as we want to so they were all kind of head down and feeding but those 300 warriors Gideon gave each one of them a horn a trumpet and then they snuck up on the enemy's camp and it wasn't a trumpet like a shafar or something like that it was like a bugle it was a small uh trumpet you can see conceal carry in your clothing that uh uh, trumpets were used to move the troops around the middle of the battle. They needed to hear commands, kind of like a bird dog, to move this way, that way, some other way. Uh, flags were also used, and uh, the language of semaphore. And so that group of 300 snuck up on the enemy's line, got right up next to their tents, got past all the sentries and the guards. And when they were right there next to the tents, at different places, they began to sound the horns. And you can imagine if you're a soldier in that era, in that time, in those places, if you hear a horn come off, it's a battle horn, uh, a trumpet, 
you can just your imagination runs wild because immediately the first thought you have in your mind is right behind that horn there's a whole army coming and when you hear that horn it sent the enemy's camp into confusion you know they're ready for nap time they're tired it's late uh the enemy's gone they were told to relax we'll go fight them here in a few days we'll go take them on their soil and all of a sudden they're running for their lives and in fact without their uniforms on and all their armor on and everything else you couldn't tell who's who the enemy was actually set in disarray to such an extent they were fighting each other they were uh, uh, uh literally killing each other off and so it's a famous battle in the battle and the bible and it was all done and announced with the trumpet sound now there's plenty of people out here in this audience and, and in america in general that think that it's all over we've lost uh, the country's going down we're being invaded we've lost every battle in the courts um uh make america great again is gone uh we're just holding on for our life you know will i have a retirement when retirement time comes will my kids have something themselves you know uh, i've heard it even today i was getting texts from uh friends you know uh, it looks like we've lost and there's all this discontent and we're not going to be able to make it and so uh, we just you know it's every man for himself the tsunami is hitting us um and that's i'm sure the way that the army felt when gideon was there there was all sorts of discontent same thing with george washington they were reaching the end of the year all of the conscription one-year conscriptions were just about to expire the army started the fight uh in 1776 in the summertime they weren't dressed for a winter fight they didn't expect this to last that long and uh, so there was a lot of discontent uh washington famously led his troops across the delaware a river that was getting iced over and the british weren't even concerned the german mercenaries weren't even concerned because they knew washington was in serious trouble all of his generals were in trouble they were dressed for summer war they weren't ready for a winter war and uh, uh all they had to do was let the elements the weather come to their favor as soon as the river froze over and it was already getting chunks of ice coming down it as soon as it froze over they just walked across the delaware take washington and all of his troops and and be done with it. the war would be over it was only days to weeks away uh crossing the delaware was very dangerous and some of the generals couldn't do it further uh, down the river because the ice was so thick and beginning to bunch up that they couldn't get across in their uh light uh, durham boats and so when washington did win that victory and then went back the next day and did a second victory nobody expected and got his troops uh with supplies uh winter clothes that they got from the hessians uh they were able to continue the fight and it went on for quite a long time ultimately of course we got our nation um gideon the same thing they blew those horns and the enemy was sent into disarray their camp they are actually fighting each other and they got a, a huge victory plus they got all the uh, spoils of war in there those people that think the mega movement make america great again movement is over are uh counting us out prematurely it's not over and in fact this case is a perfect example of why it's not over and we're never giving up 
Um, the the very idea, uh, Lindsey Graham said here just a couple of weeks ago after the uh, 2022 election, okay, well, now at least I hope everybody is done with the 2020 election and we've heard the last of that and uh, we can move on. Well, I'm here to tell you, we're not done with 2020 and we're not moving on. And we're not done with with uh, these subsequent elections that have been stolen from us. And they have been stolen. And it's becoming clearer and clearer by the day to Americans that that's the case. This case, the Brunson case, uh, the Supreme Court can go back even now and look at the key event, which was the January 6th vote, when 2 million Americans came to Washington, D.C. with a song in their heart and uh, uh, sang religious songs, were in a prayer. They wanted their presence known. They were like witnesses in the courtroom to see to it that justice was done for America, in America, that Congress would uh, abide by the will of the people. If you remember, and the key point, and we've talked about it numerous times on this Brunson thing for anybody that's new to it, the core is it's not about overturning the 2020 election in the sense of finding vote fraud, all sorts of mischief that we know took place. It's just did Congress violate its oaths by not examining the vote, doing an investigation to find out what had happened, even where the director of national intelligence had said something was wrong, China interfered in the election. So when Congress didn't do that, they violated their oaths. Oaths mean something. And that's the question before the Supreme Court. Uh, were their oaths uh, valid and enforceable? They made an oath to protect America from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and then they didn't abide by it. Does that oath mean anything still in America? If we're going to make America great again, then the oaths that are uh, Congress, the oaths of those people that have positions, whether it be in the military, policing, uh, judicial, wherever they're at, are those oaths going to mean something in the future? You can get away with a lot of stuff. You know, look, if, if, if the speed limit sign says 70 and the police officers are there at the side of the road and all the cars are going past there at 90 miles an hour plus, and the only ones that the police pull over are the ones going 95 or 100, then the speed limit isn't 70. It's 95 or 100, okay, because it's not being enforced. If oaths in America are not going to be enforced, then you don't have what makes America, America. You've got uh, Chicago's Capone. You've got mobsters. And you've got cartels running America. They could be political cartels, uh, political vote buying and selling cartels to put the person that they want in office in office. Uh, but it's not being run by the, the citizens. It's not being run by the voters. So how are we going to go about taking America back, making America great again. Part of it begins with making oaths mean something again. America marching back from the brink and uh, reclaiming some of that 
uh, esprit de corps, some of that honor that made America great in the first place, uh, where an oath, a statement by a person in a place of, of public trust had weight and it meant something. And that steely-eyed stare from the judge's bench, from the jury pool, it counted. So how are we going to hold our politicians and our justices and our uh, administrators to task to do what's right for the American citizen? If, they, if, if we can't get them to do what we've voted for and asked for, we won't, won't ever have our country back. Make America Great Again is uh, something that's in the heart. America isn't just a place on the map. America is an ideal, a concept, a way of functioning, a way of looking at the world. It's a dream that's in the hearts of men. That's the concept of America as an ideal. That's why people all over the world have looked to America as this light, this place where certain ideals, concepts, ways of working together um, of made us different from the rest of the world. If we're going to make America great again, we've got to start with our oaths. You swear an oath to your flag. You swear an oath to the Constitution. Our, our Pledge of Allegiance, uh, the Constitution is a contract between the government and citizens. Instead of having uh, royalty governing us, right to rule by blood, we have elected people that represent us. We take out of our own mass, our own population, people that are uh, leaders amongst our community, people that we look up to, people that have standards and ideals. And we say, you know what, uh, you're a leader, I want you in public office, and I want you to represent me to get this done or that done, to watch out for my rights, to watch out for uh, that the policing is done so that uh, criminals inside our country can't attack us and get away with it. I want a sheriff that makes sure that uh, you know law and order is uh, enforced in my community and Capone doesn't get to run the city. That's what the administration's all about. The, the president, the head of the administration, wears the police commissioner's cap to protect America from those that would steal from within, those that would thieve and hurt and destroy and kill. That's the policing function of America. And then the commander-in-chief position, the, the president wears a different hat, and it looks out across the world, and it's to protect us from enemies without that would overrun us, that would come and steal our life's energy, our work, uh, our businesses, our land, our children from us. And so wearing this dual cap, that's what the oath is all about. When politicians and police officers and military swear an oath to protect the Constitution, which is the contract between the citizens and their government, to protect that contract, that agreement, so that those that have positions of authority over the governing of our country, the administration of our national house, our ship of state, that they are worthy to hold that position and that they will honor 
their oath to protect that contract between the citizens and their government against enemies, foreign and domestic, outside the country and inside the country. At this point in time, that's the case. That's the Brunson case. That's what it's all about. The director of national intelligence, Radcliffe, at the time of the election in 2020, said numerous times and did reports that were not released to Congress because they didn't want to see it until after January 6th in violation of the executive order that required him to be done within 45 days of the election. In spite of that, he made public statements that there was Chinese interference in the election, foreign interference. A number of congressmen and senators, over 100, came and presented to the rest of Congress that they must do an investigation. It should be 10 days to look for all the foreign interference and see if it overcame uh, the election. It would have twisted the outcome of the election that people who were not the ones that were voted into office by the American people were, in fact, going to be put into office by the electors in violation of the votes of the American people. That a foreign enemy, and this was Director Radcliffe's concern, and this was the hundred members of Congress concern that a foreign enemy had been able to manipulate the election sufficiently that they got their favored politicians into power. People that would watch out for their interests, not the American people's interests, into power. And as a result of that, would move America off point to favor foreign masters. That's what this this whole case is all about. Did the politicians who voted to certify the election of 2020, certify the electors, did they violate their oath to protect the American people from a foreign attack, an enemy from outside the country, attacking <clears throat> us through the digital mechanism, through uh, the machines, through the mechanics of the vote process to overturn the election to favor somebody that they wanted in office, not the one that was actually voted into office by the American people. Did Congress violate their oath to at least do an investigation that they should have done because other members of Congress said that something was wrong and they needed to do an investigation? When they did zero investigation, they violated their oath to protect us. They didn't do it. So this night, this moment, we're waiting for the Supreme Court to decide if they're going to hear this case. There's been people out across the country saying that this letter writing campaign that we've done and even our efforts to bring this case to light is somehow could be twisted to cause the court to do something they wouldn't otherwise do that it, the court should work autonomously and what the citizens think versus what the Constitution says should be have nothing to do with it. That if we make our presence known somehow, that the court should ignore it. I would contend that that's like a uh, the citizenry showing up at the courthouse and being seated in the gallery, observing... Uh, the proceedings in a court action, something 
that affects the whole community, be it uh, a, a political misdeed, a murder, some business thing. And the community wants to show up and see how justice is administered, see how the judge operates, see how the jury operates, see how the, the prosecution and defense operate, the witnesses, what they have to say. When the community shows up at a public trial like that, their witnesses to see to it that justice is done. It's not to overturn the outcome, but to make sure that as the trial goes on, it is done fairly and squarely, correctly. When America had 2 million citizens show up in Washington, D.C., <clears throat> the largest gathering in Washington, D.C. of American citizens in history on January 6th, nearly two years ago, they were there as witnesses to history to make sure that Congress knew that they were present, that they were concerned, that they were watching every action. And Congress proceeded without um, considering their concern for an investigation, because that's what those two million were there for, uh, without considering their own membership, that 100 plus members led by Ted Cruz asking for an investigation to protect America from a potential threat by an enemy who may have infiltrated the vote. <clears throat> Congress wouldn't listen. The very design of the congressional building has a huge dome on the top. The dome is intended to be like a receiver. If you've ever seen like an NFL game and you see the guy with the little mic inside of a big dome-like clear plastic dish and he points it at the quarterback the whole stands could be reverberated with huge sounds everybody's screaming and yelling and yet in the midst of that that dish can pick up the quarterback talking hundreds of feet away having a private conversation amongst the rest of his group getting ready for the next play and you can hear him clearly congress is supposed to be listening that way to america and even when two million citizens showed up they didn't listen. They wouldn't do an investigation. They wouldn't check what happened in 2020. And now we live with the results of that. They didn't protect America when there was a concern of foreign interference. Every day now we're finding out new information about what's going on in our elections and the way they're being conducted. And the judges aren't listening. The judges are finding reasons not to find in favor of uh, uh, the legislatures are doing laws that are changing the vote, so we'll never be able to have a clear, transparent vote again. And people are fighting back. This moment right now is the Supreme Court, a separate branch of government. You have the legislative, you have the administrative with the presidency, and people confuse that the Supreme Court is at the top of the judiciary. It's a separate branch weighing the Constitution against actions by the legislature and Senate and the administrative in how they conduct themselves and what they do. And then they look at the Constitution to make sure that the Constitution is abided by at each occasion. That's the situation even now with this vote on the uh, votes. Did the legislators, uh, did Congress honor their oaths to protect the Constitution 
the contract with the American citizens from an attack by a foreign enemy when 100 members of Congress and the director of the largest intelligence gathering machine on planet Earth, the 17 agencies of Homeland Security, when the director of national security said there was interference by an enemy outside the country, specifically China, trying to change the vote, and they wouldn't even do an investigation. With that in mind, can you go to Washington, D.C. in March right now safely? Look at what happened two years ago on January 6th. To go to Washington, D.C. and do a march in this environment would be very difficult. If you say anything, just like the charges against President Trump right now, they're trying to prove that he... Oh, there we go. They're trying to construe that with his conversation, he was trying to lead an insurrection with talk, what he would say and how he would say it. What I'm proposing to this audience and your um, influencers, that's why you're here tonight. What I'm saying is that we can't safely at this point in time probably go to any public square if you say anything. It'll be twisted. The media will twist it. Uh, the policing agencies would hear it possibly differently. The courts. Uh, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that were present on January 6th two years ago that because of how they portrayed things they said, um, it's being construed that it was uh, somehow to overthrow the elected government of the United States as opposed to try to get the government to relook at how the election was conducted and was it a fair election was it an honest election or was there um manipulation be it digital or by agents coming in and doing things to cook the vote if you say anything you're probably at risk of your words being misconstrued twisted bent i'm proposing to this group before we get to uh, New Year's Eve, and then again on January 6th, that we come up with that musical note, that sound, that we as a body, as a group, becomes our march. Uh, in a sense, it's your fight song. When people get cancer, when they get disease, sometimes they'll adopt a song, and that's their fight song that they are going to power through and conquer. And it doesn't have to be an attack song. It doesn't have to be militant in the sense that it's to overthrow something. It's to own every step you take, the land that's under your feet. Just gonna give Juan a chance to reconnect audio. Juan, if you just want to disconnect and come back in, uh, we're not getting your audio at the moment. I just wanted to remind the audience that, you know, we're all here together as Americans. Um, even if you're abroad, even if you're not in this country, I know that this country represents the ideals that we all aspire to. Yes. So I am really um, excited for this audience and for what is to come, because I know you're going to share this around with your friends and your family, and it's just going to go all over the globe, probably. Um, and Loy, I see you here on the broadcast. Thanks for being here. You, you and your brother started this. Uh, it's 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 incredible how far this has grown. 
what, what are your thoughts so far, Lloyd? I love what he's saying. This has been one heck of a battle that's been going on for over two, two years. And uh, not just one case, but we started uh, with me as the plaintiff in a case in federal court. And and uh, the U.S. Marshal Service actually ordered the, uh, or I should say that federal court uh, ordered the U.S. Marshal Service to serve my summons complaint on, on the 388 defendants of mine, which is the same lawsuit that's at the Supreme Court right now. And then the next day they blocked it. We have one back on. Uh, we got, we're about to bring one back on, but I think there's a little feedback, uh, so let's try it again. Go ahead. You want me to continue? Yeah, go ahead and continue, and one will just Okay, so, uh, so the federal court tried to keep me from even uh, filing the lawsuit. They, they allowed it, and then they blocked it, and we had to sue the, the federal court, basically. We took him to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals with a petition for the mandamus, which is a complaint. And then we actually sued both courts, federal and the Tenth Circuit Court, the state court, to get them to unblock my case. After that battle, they finally not only unblocked my case, but they filed it for me, and they ordered the uh, clerk of the court to issue 388 summonses. So while that was going on, we had another lawsuit launched, thinking that uh, we're headed for the Supreme Court with this. We don't want to just count on one lawsuit. So the second lawsuit that was, that was launched is the one that is now at the Supreme Court right now. And I guess people, I don't know, for you, for those of you that don't realize uh, the battle, uh, this got stuck in the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. And when you get stuck in a uh, circuit court, you cannot make a move. You cannot go to the Supreme Court until they make a decision. There are three judges at the, ten, at the circuit court. And they wouldn't make a decision, so we found, uh, we did some digging and research and found that there was a special Supreme Court Rule 11 that if we could prove to the U.S. Supreme Court that this was a national emergency type case, then they would then they could accept it if they agreed with the fact that we were claiming it was a national emergency. So we sent it off to them, and within about five days, we received a phone call from the Supreme Court telling us that they had accepted it, that they were decided to accept it without going to the Tenth Circuit. In other words, accepting this as a national emergency case. This is one of the one of the nuances of this case that makes it different than any other case. Uh, uh, the last time a, the Supreme Court allowed a, a, a Rule 11 emergency case was back in the 70s, and that was uh, a petition presented by the U.S. government with their counsel. So this has never been done, ever, a Rule 11 case accepted by the Supreme Court until this specific case. And then for uh, for them to contact us and ask us to insert insert a certain documents into the case that they wanted and uh and uh so we did that and then to ask for it to be expedited to get it to them as quickly as possible and then sent us documents asking us to get uh, a waiver sent to the U.S. attorney's office asking them to waive their right to fight this uh, petition with an opposition and then they eventually, uh, the U.S. attorneys are eventually relieved of their duties, and the U.S. Solicitor General takes over and files that files that waiver, waives their last ditch effort right to oppose this petition before it goes into conference. So, and, and then after that, uh, it being docketed for January sixth for a conference. I want people to understand that conferences where the nine justices get together by themselves. No one else is allowed into conference from either side. And they've been reviewing the petition that's been distributed to them. 
and they are to review it and then take a vote. If four of them vote in favor of it moving forward out of the nine, if five vote against it, it still moves forward. But another special uh, nuance of this uh, Rule 11 petition is that under Rule 11, we've been studying this, that the Supreme Court has the full power not to just uphold a decision or reverse a lower court's decision, but they have the full power to completely adjudicate, execute, and 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 grant the reliefs asked for in the full complaint. So because of its uh, emergency Rule 11 um, uh, characterization by the court, they the court literally has the power before January 6th, before having a conference to completely adjudicate and satisfy this whole complaint based on the national security uh, emergency uh, level that this case has presented itself to be. And they can do it still. They don't have to do a press release. They don't have to tell anyone what's going on. They could have already been meeting with a solicitor general about this. The fact that she signed a waiver waiving the, their defendant's right to oppose it to us is a really good sign that things are happening and maybe quite quickly behind closed doors and uh, we won't maybe hear anything until it's good news. So we're excited and anxious. It is amazing what, what you're sharing with us, history being made, and we're watching it. We've got a ringside here, uh, a ringside seat to some something very, very historic in, in America. Uh, Juan, what, what are your thoughts so far, Juan? Well, the, the, just to complete the thought before we got interrupted there, um, <clears throat> when you have a fight song or a theme song, uh, sometimes couples, when they're getting married, they have their song of dating or something like that, that they uh, is a touch point of, uh, for them in their relationship. Uh, one of those songs that has stood the test of time here in America um, is Johnny Comes Marching Home. But in this current era, it's about America marching back. Um, in the scriptures, it was said that everywhere that Abraham set the sole of his foot, that was going to be given to him by God for an inheritance for his children's children uh, out into eternity for all time. So that's the borders of the nation of Israel, uh, according to the scriptures. <clears throat> here in this land, here in America, uh, there's those who would like to divide us, run us into civil war, who benefits if America goes into some kind of civil war? Our enemies. In this case, if if your vote doesn't count, then you're not in charge of your land. Somebody else is in charge of it. If uh, if a foreign enemy has successfully attacked us uh, in the voting machine process, as Director Radcliffe the head of the largest intelligence gathering machine on planet earth the top dog i take him at his his uh, statement china interfered in our election and it was sufficient enough to have changed the outcome so with that in mind somebody should have done an investigation and congress full well knew it but they liked the outcome because it favored a particular side or group both the Democrats and the rhinos, <clears throat> anybody that wasn't willing to at least do an investigation to protect us was guilty of putting us at risk of foreign domination. The very thing that we didn't want uh, going all the way back, you know, people that weren't elected 
uh, just born, uh, you know, right to rule by blood, which is why most people in this country left uh, uh, Europe with kings and queens. <clears throat> with that in mind, uh, if you say anything, if you use words, they're going to be used against you. They've tried to mince and dice the pastor that uh, from Ohio who went to January 6th and was using a megaphone and said things that are construed as being uh, insurrectionist. They're trying to twist every single word, not just to President Trump, but to people around him to make it sound like he was trying to do something that is not what his intent was at all. He was saying, you know, come demonstrate peaceably. And uh, then there was agitators in the crowd trying to, you know, make it go a certain way, make it look a certain way. We know that the four people that died on January 6th all died at the hands of the police, not at the crowd. <clears throat> That's why I did the movie Bloody Hill. With that in mind, you can use a trumpet, and I think trumpets announce the army on the field, announce the next move. You can use your own voice, but the words might not be heard clearly. The thing about Johnny Comes Marching Home is the hum, the cadence, even the drums adjoining this, this song. There's a solemnness to it. There can be a raucousness to it. And <clears throat> even the trumpets playing it, it can have all sorts of tempos and meanings, can be very expressive. Uh, we thought about using a special diddle, something that we created specifically, but um, I don't think we need to do that. It's already there in the hearts of Americans. Most Americans know the tune. And the intent, America comes marching back again, and we are going to march back. We do it with our own voices, with our home. That's one thing about the trumpets. It's the breath of life. It's just magnified through the machine. Um, if you don't have a trumpet, you've just got your humming voice. If you can't sing, you can hum. It has a certain beauty to it. And it's your own voice bringing life expression back into America. America is going to come through this. We are going to get rid of the traitors within. We are going to push our enemies back out of the country. We're going to reown that which was given to us all the way back to the pilgrims. We are going to reown this land for God's people. We are going to serve God in this nation. And then we're going to go out and help the rest of the world. And America comes marching back again, I believe, is a song that we can all embrace that has um, just the right tenor, note, variance, beauty um, that we can all agree with and enjoy in this year. 2023, and I've said it a few times over the last few days, 2023 is the year of the whistleblower. You have people in every agency of government who want the truth to be known who've known all along but didn't have an outlet, a place to tell their story because nobody wanted to listen to it at the key choke points. 
at agency heads, at Congress, at policing locations. But more and more every day, they are being heard and they're finding routes, be it directly or even anonymously, people inside the machine exposing the corruption, the evil, and I do mean evil, within our own government, the captured operation that our government has become. But America is going to come back. In Argentina, <clears throat> during the Dirty War, uh, some group portrayed as, you know, a certain type going after the bad guys uh, was picking up anybody that was considered a dissident, saying anything. And at a certain point, the mothers just bringing signs of their children, their missing loved ones that had been disappeared in horrors being done at the national level, began to march around the capital city. They marched every Sunday, I believe. And more and more of the nation showed up over time, a huge swath of the whole national uh, uh, public showed up for part of the march and it couldn't be held a secret anymore. The, the disappeared people had a voice. America is being shut down by all this social media, this militarized social media that was created at DARPA, built out using our money to fight against ourselves, this social media monster uh, and uh, news media entertainment that's been used to shut down the voice of American citizens. Um, how do we come back against that? If you speak the wrong words, you might be in trouble. I think the notes, the hum, the trumpets announcing our presence coming back across the country, taking back our land is the right answer. And we do it at New Year's and we do it all through this next year. We do it on January 6th and until the fight is actually won. Uh, uh, it's a song on our hearts. We can hum it. We can blow it with the trumpets. But America's marching back again. That's what it is. And I hope people will will uh, consider that and uh, find agreement on that. Uh, I open it. Did we lose one? One, yeah. Uh, Juan, we, I can't hear you again. Go ahead and try and mute and unmute Juan. And Debbie, while, while Juan is doing that, I think we have a bunch of questions. We're almost overloaded with the questions coming in. Yes, we're, we're kind of overloaded. Um, the first thing that um, we have on the list, Loy, is the, just the huge amount of thank yous that are coming through to you and your brothers um, from the audience you know, for everything that you've done. People are asking, what can we do in addition to writing our letters? We've already written our letters. Um, we want to tell the audience that if you've written your letters, write them again and keep on collecting letters. And, you know, if you've done your part, now go out to your friends and family and ask them to write their letters as well. And so, Lloyd, I would ask you to address why is it so important to have this two-letter campaign, the one to the Supreme Court and then the one to, to send it to you? I think the justices... Uh... I think the justices are really going to appreciate if they're not already really appreciating. <sighs> I 
terrific support that you're all showing. It's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been quite an emotional battle. It's been a physical battle. On the nerves, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like going against the, you know, trying to achieve the impossible. I mean, we, we haven't really had a lot of opposition from family or friends. They just kind of ignore us, right? <laughs> it's like, whatever. But uh, we've had a lot of opposition. A lot of opposition in the courts with the judges, but at the same time, we've had some pretty amazing miracles happen. We've seen a magistrate judge who was actually a Democrat judge who really bent over backwards helping us with uh, the first uh, the first uh, filing that has my name on it. That we were able to perfect basically, and so that we mine's a Fourth Amendment complaint that's now alive in federal court. And it, it, it's the same identical complaint fixed and perfected that Rollin has now uh, been able to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. So it's it's so important. I think the, the letters are all going to be filed. Every letter you send in, it's a part of history. I, I envision someday a great big wall with, with everyone's letter, the actual content, or at least part of the content of every single letter. This this case is so, so unique. And my brothers were so brilliant and working together as a team, the three of us, and uh, and coming up with a way where we could uh, where we could show that we weren't just for the Republicans or the Democrats or, or that we were for everyone that wants an honest election. Think about think about all of the complaints about election desires just deniers on both sides of the political you know line, and this. This would fix that. I mean, it's. I, I tell people if you have friends of you know an opposite per political persuasion, go tell them there's finally something where you can both agree on. And look at the defendants; you probably find no matter what, what whether you're Republican or Democrat, you're going to find people you'd love to see replaced with more honest or more uh, talented or more capable representatives. And you know, it's so sad. There's so many members of so many wonderful heroic types of people get back from the military and you think get into politics and they won't do it because of the corruption but this case allows the supreme court loosens its hands to literally remove the roadblocks remove the immunity the unconstitutional immunity that our representatives have been using to run afoul and to leave this country in such a ditch that uh the political this could change the political climate unbelievably Whereas, like I said, these these heroic individuals that have been in the military and not that are that are not afraid of a binding oath would literally take the places of the people that would be afraid to now run for office because they know that they would be accountable and that the oath would be binding and that they would have to know the Constitution and make sure that their that their actions were in alignment with the Constitution. So back to the justices, I I just think they have been. I don't think we realize how much pressure is on them and how much they want this case. I think they want this case more than any of us. Not only do they feel a sense of urgency and responsibility with their country and the Constitution, but their families have been threatened. They've been threatened personally. They've been demeaned. They've been slandered. They, you know, Think of Chuck Schumer saying, we're coming after you like a whirlwind 
Kavanaugh, we're coming after you, Gorsuch. And the hell that they were put through in the, in the hearings. And then look at how brave they were uh, with Roe versus Wade. And there's nothing on this planet that the, the executive branch or the, or the legislative branch could do about that decision that the Supreme Court justices made. And then for them, through the court clerk, who for 11 years was the attorney for the Supreme Court, he's not just a justice of a clerk, but for, for that, the clerk's office to reach out to us in such a personal way and a direct way. And we, it looks like we had a hotline number. We call back into the court, and it's an immediate answering of the phone of the analyst. It's almost like this analyst has 100% responsibility to this case, and nothing else is to interfere with it. That's how the response has been. And then uh, knowing that it's just about the Constitution and upholding the oath, and then Elizabeth Preloader, the U.S.'s Solicitor General, that signs a waiver. It's like, I, I want to be positive and say she read this. The petition's a, an expose on the Constitution and the oath of office. So is the complaint. And so I want to say that she saw this and read it and realized that she had no no other choice but to but to sign a waiver and not to oppose this. And I hope she goes down as the most famous United States Solicitor General ever in the history of America because of her participation in bringing back our Constitution, upholding our Constitution, defending our Constitution, and allowing us to have the Constitution in a more powerful way than this country has ever seen. This immunity stuff has gone on for way too long, and this is just the beginning of, of the cleansing that could happen and the realignment into constitutional principles that would benefit all parties, all people, regardless of political persuasion. And I think it could be a very smooth transition. I've talked about how I think that there could be special government uh, broadcast teams that would go into the broadcast houses and make sure that the broadcasting was honest and people could see in real time with their own eyes that it was that it was honest. The federal communication directors, there are three of them, and they're presidentially appointed, and they've taken an oath to the Constitution. Now, the petition and the complaints have, um, you can add, the court can add defendants, respondents, Joe, John Doe's one through 100. They could actually add any other players in this uh, scenario that they felt like should be removed from office and barred permanently from ever holding office again. It could include the communications directors, the federal communications directors. And so I could see a, a tremendous number of, of seats and vacancies that needed to be filled, and they would be filled by such a different group of representatives and politicians that really want to serve the country. So, so let me, let me, can you repeat that? Because, um, you know, for someone that's not legally minded or a scholar, I thought that the defendants were the defendants, but what I hear you say is that the court can actually add other, um, people. I don't that know. Fauci comes to mind. That's true. That's why if you look at the list on the complaint, if you go to sevendiscoveries.com and you can see the complaints, it shows plus John Doe's one through a hundred. So the court has full discretion to add any number of defendants to the list of defendants and go ahead and offer relief uh, against all the additional defendants. So that was one of the questions from the audience. If um, the, you know, certain secretaries of state, attorney journals, um, maybe even governors could be added. And Absolutely. It's under the full discretion of the Supreme Court justices. I want to say again, this is not about upholding or reversing a lower court decision because of its Rule 11 national emergency uh, characterization of the case. They can completely adjudicate the whole complaint and add defendants to it at their discretion. Yes. Wow. I, I, 
folks, I mean, this is like, let's do our list, right? <laughs> so many egregious elements in this, um, call it government. Uh, Lloyd, another question that the audience has is, um, what are the chances, you know, now that the lame duck session is over and, um, the court hasn't been stacked, the, um, the justices haven't given, you know, a term limit or anything like that. Um, what are the chances that this is just was used as a bargaining chip and it's left in the drawer um, and let it well, I don't that would be suicide. I, I don't think the justices are that corrupt or that 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 inept. I mean, for them to bring ask for it to be brought on, they could have easily just rejected it. But to use it as a bargaining chip, that doesn't make any sense at all because they've already identified who they are. Look what they did, Roe versus Wade. I'll say that again. They've already they're marked. They're marked from this. There's there's no turning back from that with these extreme uh, people that uh, have gone against them. So I just think it's it's not even thinkable that they would that they would drop the ball on on this unless they don't have the support. And that's why I think one of the reasons it's so important that the letters show them that we the prayers are behind them and and the people are behind them and we're aware of them and we love them and we respect them. The justices have taken two oaths to the Constitution. The Supreme Court justices are required to not only take a judicial oath that includes the Constitution, but they're also required to take a constitutional oath. So they have taken a double oath to the Constitution. And Elizabeth Preloader, she's taken an oath to the Constitution as well. And there's nothing about interpretation or, a, or any characterization of special interpretations of the Constitution with this petition. So she could just move forward and she could say, hey, I'm, I'm for the petitioner. I'm for the plaintiff. This is the Constitution is serious. And so is the oath of office. That's awesome. Um, now, Juan, is Juan able to come back on? Um, I know we were talking about uh, marching song. Johnny comes well, it's it, it, and again, forget the forget the Johnny comes marching back. It's America uh, comes marching back. You know, uh, in the uh, beginning of the country, they sang a lot of songs that uh, were the bar songs that the churches actually, because people knew the melody, they changed the words to fit uh, uh, the uh, Sunday. Uh, hymnal service and uh, just use the songs that people knew they could change the words I think there's a there's something else even deeper and I think that's what we're asking this audience this is a specific audience and I'm looking for correction from you um, it can't be over manipulated from the top it has to be something that's there in the hearts of people and it, and it agrees with them but there's a uh, comeback theme for America. We're not giving up. We're not giving in. Um, you know, uh, we're not fighting on some foreign shore. We're here to fight on our own land to take our own land back. And, and the fight isn't even a fight in the normal militaristic sense. It is just putting your foot down and saying, no, this is mine and I'm not giving it up. And, uh, it's about the population in a larger measure. See, in, in, in Argentina, when Galtieri was uh, finally moved out of office, when that whole crowd was defeated, it was defeated just because the public pressure became so great they couldn't hold up against it. All the people showing up in support of the mothers who'd lost children.
uh, and just with the picture of their children present, being counted present, you know, they didn't want to hear two million Americans uh, showing up, singing songs and uh, praying on January 6th, two years ago. Um, we don't even have to say a word. We can just hum the song. Uh, even a practice. Look, uh, I think horns are important. You know, Moses, there's an important scripture. And I, uh, Lloyd pointed out to me last night, uh, was beautiful. Uh, several people had done some stuff on the, some of the social media, pointing out that Moses, in numbers, um, he was directed by God himself to create two horns hammered out of silver now i know there's a lot of people want to blow the shafar out there and there and that's a beautiful thing and it's spectacular it's appropriate there's other scriptures uh uh numbers 10 9 says that uh, when an enemy is coming into your country and you're being uh, uh invaded to blow the horn um and uh so people go out and they blow the shafar but in this scripture where Moses is directed to have two silver horns, trumpets, hammered out of silver. That's clearly not a shafar. And then what was it to be used for? To call the public to meet meeting, to call the people to a gathering, to a meeting. So uh, that was a silver trumpet. That's very Brunson-like. And... Uh, we have a national meeting that needs to take place. We need to come together, not be divided. We need to come together on this issue of uh, the um, sanctity of our vote. That's what separates us from all the other nations. People don't get to rule over us because they're part of the mob clan. They don't get to rule over us because they're of the right bloodline. They don't get to rule over us because their businesses make all the money and you're just a serf on their turf. Uh, this is where we elect leaders from amongst our ranks. And we're not going to let um, uh, people steal that from us. That is the unique part of the signature of America. And that's what it is. Uh, this whole thing with the Brunson case is all about. Congress didn't take any action. The ones that voted to certify the election without any investigation didn't take any action to protect the vote when there was plenty of information. Looking, say, well, I don't know that there was a problem with the vote. The head of the largest intelligence gathering machine on planet Earth, the biggest one that's ever existed, said there was. If somebody tells you that there's no evidence, direct them to Director Radcliffe, the head of the largest intelligence gathering machine on planet Earth, and he says so. Who are you? So, Juan, um, we're nearing the one hour and 15 minute mark, so I'm just going to start wrapping this up. Before we yes, do that, I want to bring Clyde in. Clyde is um, personal friend he is also a political science and he was also a candidate for governor of the state of iowa so plenty of knowledge here clyde can you you know bring us bring this to a close for the audience why we're doing this and what what's important 
Well, I think it goes back to what, um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Uh, what Loy was saying about the impact that our letters can have on these justices and what they've gone through since Roe versus Wade situation and that each one of our letters is is going to be uh, it's going to make a statement it's going to have an influence on these justices so uh, I just want to let everybody on this call um, know that we appreciate all of you being here we appreciate all that you've done already to get the 55,000 letters that have already come in. And now that was what we're looking at this so far is phase one. And from tonight on is phase two. And we want to get millions of letters to these justices to support this case. And if we can do that, it's going to make it's every letter we get is going to help these justices feel more comfortable and more support from the people of this country. And it's a great opportunity for us to be able to do something and get all the people that we know that are out there that want to get involved. This is an opportunity to actually get involved and make a difference. So I, I would just like to bring us back to that focus of getting these letters out. And I just want to say this is very, very important. One of my people in, in Iowa that was doing a really good job of getting letters out um, communicated with me yesterday that a lot of his people were going to stop doing the letters because it was so close to January 6th that it, their letters wouldn't get to the, to the justice in time. And I just want to disabuse anyone out there that has that notion to forget that. We expect this to go on for weeks or months. So everyone just keep writing those letters and, and just, Hey, look, let's hope that there's a miracle and they agree on it on this, you know, on the 6th on January 6th, but that's a very, very small chance of that happening. I think, and we need to be just continuing with this letter writing campaign. So everyone that's out there, um, you know, you've got, you know, you can go to the BrunsonCharge.com, right, Debbie? And you can go to the, the letters. Yes. So yeah. let me wrap it up in terms of what, you know, this is all, you've gotten a lot of information on this call, but we want you to take an action. So if you've already written your letters, you go out and you tell five more people to write those letters and then tell them to do five more letters. So this is like multi-level marketing, um, but it's that easy. You can see it on your screen. You could just, if you just said, I stand in support of the Brunson v. Adams at all, case 22380, that's all your letter has to say. If you want some more information, go to um, either www.brunsoncharge.com and there's some templates for a more complex letter. You can go to my substack, praying mantis. Um, dot substack.com there you'll get some even more information some templates a pdf that you can download and as you can see you're going to send two letters the first one to the supreme court the second one a copy of that one to the brunson brothers why is the second letter so important because that's how we know how many letters are actually getting to the supreme court i would also ask you this is our idea not from Lloyd or Rowland or the brothers when you send a letter to them include a dollar. You know what? They did the heavy lifting. They got us to the parade. 
and now we're here to cheer them on. The second thing that I would ask you to do, if you want to even participate more, is take a picture of your letters and post them to social media. Go to the Brunson Charge, um, either on Twitter, which I hate, but whatever, Truth Social, um, uh, Facebook, I think we have an account. Just search for it, BrunsonCharge.com, and then we have some hashtags, you know, let's go Brunson, um, how about that one, um, uh, the Brunson Charge, you know, hashtag Brunson Charge, and so all of those instructions and the hashtags are in um, my Substack as well. So um, with that, you know, I want to remind you that by doing this, we're not only, you know, standing up for election integrity, but we are also... You know, this would really go a long way for those January 6th prisoners that are there because, you know, they were advocating for the same things that we're all, we all want, fair elections. So um, I'm going to go off my rails right here. If I go down on that one, so I'm just going to let uh, maybe Raj or Clyde to, to take it down a little bit more. Sure. And, and you know, we wanted to um, uh, just kind of, as we, as we begin to wind this down again, thank you so much for all the people that came in, uh, Ohio Brett for opening us up, Clyde for the recap, and and Loy, uh, as, as this evening begins to wind down, and we've had people with us for almost two hours listening to yourself, Loy, and to Juan, getting inspired, people are so hungry. Uh, what would you want to say, Loy, to, to the folks that are, that are still with us? Just a great big thank you and love. You're awesome, Lloyd. Thank you. And Juan, uh, you want to wrap this up for us uh, before we hand it back to Ohio Brett to uh, close off with prayer? Juan? Well, I'd just love to see uh, everybody post their videos. Hum the uh, tune from Johnny Come Marching Home. If you've got an instrument, play it. Uh, let's. That is our, I think, our theme song moving forward, but it's uh, within your mind america comes marching back again and those that hear it will know america comes marching back again it's timber to our enemies we're about to drop those trees they thought they had it the land locked up forever and we'd never be able to take them out we're going to push them over we're going to knock them down america's coming back we're part of it um and uh, you know keep the faith don't give up don't let them get you down. We are winning. Uh, this is our moment, and that's our fight song. Uh, yeah. Ohio, does that does that match for you guys? Is that is that that's, on the right note here? Yeah, so much on the right note. It's we the people. And my Ohio. friends, as you're watching the uh, screen here, take a look at the crawl down here. Like Juan said, uh, and a bunch of you already done it. Take a video of you playing your instrument text the word trumpet when he text the word trumpet you'll get a link upload that video up and we're going to use that video it's art it's beautiful it's attractive it brings people together music does that and we need your music to bring people together uh yeah. for us so hi brett do you want to wrap it up and uh take us over the finish line oh i wrap it up but the brunson studs god bless those brunson brothers let's go brunson I have a feeling the NFL will take over and thank you for this panel on this team, but the Brunson brothers, you need to know that what you did, you weren't alone and we are rallying around you, rallying around you in every single County and every state. So thank you. 
Thank you, thank you. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we open in prayer and we're closing in prayer. And I simply share Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Brunson brothers called out and you're showing them great and mighty things that they can be used and we, the team, are surrounding them. And yes, Lord, this is not just a center-right issue. This is center-left and center-right uniting like never before. And Heavenly Father, we just say thank you for that opportunity. God bless and put the hedge of protection around the Brunson brothers and the Supreme Court and everybody involved in this action. You were on this call tonight for a reason. You got the word. Now it's up to you to share Write your letters and share. And as we close, we're just so thankful that the love of the God of the Bible is open to all. And where once you know and get to know by reading scripture, the God of the Bible and in scripture, it says why he sent Jesus to the earth to destroy the works of the devil. And if you study scripture, you know, it's a choice where you choose to spend eternity. So we will close just for the thanks for the love of God. Thank you, Brunson brothers. Thank you, everybody on this call tonight. And we close in the fact that we pray. Christ, let it be done. Thank you, Ohio Brett. Bye. Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Just like you, I had problems sleeping. I tried every pillow out there and nothing worked. 10 years ago, I invented my pillow. It took me two years to develop because I wanted to have everything you would ever want in a pillow. I made sure that you could adjust my patented fill so you could have the exact support you need as an individual. I also wanted a so I made my pillow machine washable and dryable. I back my pillow with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. My pillow lets you adjust it to your exact individual needs regardless of sleep position and stays that way all night long so you get the best sleep of your life. when you use promo code APCO show APCO show or when you go to my pillow alright guys I hope that you have enjoyed um, the uh, meeting that the Brunson team and supporters had and uh, I pray that uh, you guys are able to connect support them in various ways and mainly support uh, the Supreme Court as they take on this case for them. Uh, this could be really something special for our future. Uh, with that, we're going to be signing out. Uh, please uh, continue to pray for Crystal and I as we strive uh, to do the will of God for our lives uh, and uh, knowing uh, that we're all in this together. Man, I'm just thinking about that. And, it, it, you know, 
for as many as case, many cases that have been just left with no standing. They haven't even seen them. They didn't even see, they didn't even receive the cases from the president of the United States that was trying to go before them. But here it is, these uh, brothers um, from over there in, uh, where was it, Utah, Idaho, Oregon, wherever they're from over there, you know, they get in, involved. They were regular people like you and I. And they got involved, and now they're having their case before the highest courts in the land. And there's a lot riding on the land, on, on the riding on the line uh, for you and I, just as much as the rest of the world, as a matter of fact. Uh, because so this case goes, so does the rest of the world. Because the gravity of this, if they were by some chance miraculously to come to a decision that they are right in the lawsuit that they're bringing this could mean all the the ridicule all the lying all the the hate all this stuff could be just washed away and we could start new and that would be uh spectacular so we'll see how it goes. Just, um, you know, let's let's keep praying um, that God will intervene, God will have his way, and that we can continue to reach the laws at any cost. All right, with my head cleared and uh, just excited about what is to come in the future, Please keep Crystal and I in your prayers as we strive to do the will of God for our lives, knowing that no matter what happens, we're all in this together. And where we go one, we go all. You can always find the original plan of salvation in your Bibles, in the book of Acts, the second chapter and the 38th verse. And uh, we'll get to the scripture reading on another day. Um, I do have it up. I'm going to present it to you, Isaiah 41 and 10. Um, for this moment in the word fear thou not for i am with thee be not dismayed for i am thy god i will strengthen you i will help thee you i will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness the lord says he'll uphold you he'll help you he'll strengthen you and he'll do it all with the right hand of his righteousness. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Food supplies have been completely wiped out. We have our evacuation of all counties. I report complete devastation. We have a giant squall. There are forces in this world that remind us of how fragile we are. We thought we were safe. We thought it could never happen to us. Then life like a fog descends upon us, 
blanketing our memories. Through the haze, we travel its hidden paths, lost in its secret places. And when the storm, turbulent and immovable, forces us to shelter, we remember. It calls to us, calls us back. Back to the ports and the harbors of our past. We fight the currents that pull and drag us off course, not a light or star to chart the way. And when we arrive, we don't always know it at first, the places we once loved guised by time. Then we see it, the place we've been trying to get back to, Safe at last, we've found our way home. Second Timothy three and one says, but know this, that in the last days there shall be perilous times. We're living in perilous times now where there's rioting, looting, and natural disasters leaving people without power for several days. You can be the hero to your family by stocking up on your My Patriot supply of food. With a shelf life of 25 years, you can be that hero. Click on the link below and order your supply. Then when they start messing with it, no other choice but to step up.
Watch the tortoise feet, great, take a broom. After all, so we came when we lose. Now imagine all in this name we can do. Pull down strongholds, put your foot down, it goes. It don't bother me, I know that God with me, and I don't look down.